passengers, may I have your attention, please? Take your seats and secure your seatbelt. The ride you're about to take will be unlike anything you've ever experienced before. They are the mics on mics, and this is Drive-By. Welcome, welcome. I'm Mike J. He's Mike S. We are the Mike's of Mike's, and this is the best wrestling podcast you haven't heard of until now. Normally, this is where I say, Mike S., how the hell is your day going? But things are a little different this week, so instead, I'm just going to say, Mike, take it away. Give your beautiful soliloquy of an explanation, and I'll catch you guys on the other side. Hey, everyone out there in Drive-By Nation, uh, our Drive-By Maniacs. I don't like that. I immediately apologize for that. Drive-By Maniacs isn't what we're going to call you guys. Uh, no, didn't like that. As soon as it came out of my mouth, that was a big no. Anyway, I am Mike S., one half of the team here. Um, this week, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. Mike J. and myself, our schedules could not line up for us to record this week. Uh, peek behind the curtain. If you listen to the show at all, you know this already. We normally record on Friday afternoons before I head to work. Um, this week, due to... Um, I I have tickets to... IWA Mid South versus Pro Wrestling Trainwreck. It's the King of the Death Match tournament, uh, versus Southern Sickness Cup. It's people from each of those tournaments, uh, competing in one giant tournament. So, um, uh, that, uh, I almost said unfortunately. Unfortunately for drive by, not unfortunately for me. Fortunately for drive by, that means um, that Friday when we normally record, I'll be driving to Indiana because the event starts Friday night and lasts through Saturday night. Um, normally when we can't record on a Friday, which is generally because of me, um, we pick that up on Thursday instead and we record then, uh, this week, Mike J's schedule is not allowing for that to line up for us. So it's going to be a little bit different drive by this week. As I said earlier, um, we're still going to cover the same things we cover every week. Um, NXT, uh, Mike J is going to still cover NXT. I'm still going to cover AEW. We're still going to talk about some hot topics. We're just going to be talking about them separately. Uh, I'm going to do my part. He's going to do his part. You're going to get to still hear the same things, just not us discussing them together. It's going to be more of a one-on-one, uh, us with you type of experience a little bit more uh a little bit more personal it's you and i just having a conversation but you're not conversing it's just me talking to you um so let's kick it off with AEW this week we open up with kenny omega taking on alan angels of dark order otherwise known as number five um these guys had a match about a year and a half ago. About a year and a half ago. Um, it was really good. It was what you would call Alan Angel's kind of coming out party for AEWs, where he really kind of made a name for himself. Had a good match uh, with one of the top guys in the company. So we got a nice little throwback here, coming back to that as well. Now things have changed. Omega's the champion. He's defending against Hangman Page at full gear in 10 days. Um, and now uh, Adam Page is friends with the Dark Order. So now we've got one of, we've got two kind of storylines at play here in this match. We've got, you know, Angels had a big match. They almost got the win over Omega back in April 2020. Um, April-ish. Uh, and now also he's a hangman's friend. He's out here trying to get a big win before going into the pay-per-view. This match was um good, not great. Um it obviously ended with Omega picking up the win as we thought he would. This was the right choice. At the end of the match, um 
Omega goes to deliver a one-winged angel onto a chair. Hangman Page makes the save, misses the buckshot lariat as Omega runs out of the ring. The end of the ring, uh, belt's still in the ring. I love this moment. You know, we, we do this pretty frequently in wrestling. Um, it's one of my favorite wrestling tropes is when the challenger sees the belt laying in the ring and goes and picks it up and has that moment where he looks at it, looks at the champ. Hangman Page did one of my favorite variations of this I've ever seen this week on Dynamite where he picked up the belt, walked over to the ring ropes, laid it down and said, Kenny, you're going to want to get this back. You're only going to hold on to it for another 10 days. Dude, badass moment. Let this motherfucker know right then. You got 10 more days with that. 10 more. You better enjoy him. Because after that, that shit's mine. And it better be. You know, we've been going over this for about the better part of a year now on drive-by. This man has to win this title. He has to win this title or this company's failed. And I don't want to say that the company's an abject failure if he doesn't win this title. But you, if you do not put this title on this man, you have shown your utter refusal to build new stars. And I'm not saying that they're not building new stars. MJF, uh, Hangman Page, they, they have up-and-coming stars. Daniel Garcia is a fucking star in the making. But, and not to compare it with WCW, because I hate the AEW, WCW comparisons. Um... WCW built new stars too. Chris Benoit was a star. Dean Malenko was a star. But what they didn't do was crown them. Um, building a new star doesn't mean shit unless you crown them. Hangman Page needs crowned. Um, this was a great way though to get the, the baby face, uh, get some heel heat. Um, from Omega as he was about to attack the baby face, the underdog baby face, beat him up after the match. Great segment. Great way to like really sell this feud. After that, CM Punk comes down to the ring. He talks about John Moxley, who I'm not going to get into right now. We're going to save that for after I get done talking about AEW Dynamite. So we'll get into that. But he addresses John Moxley, and then he turns his attention to Eddie Kingston, who interrupted Punk in the middle um, of uh, promo last week. He challenged Kingston to meet him one-on-one next week in St. Louis on Rampage, um, or maybe Dynamite. I feel like he said Rampage, though. Um, this was an amazing promo. I know that right now, uh, kind of the talk on drive-by, not really on my part, but on Mike J's part, and kind of from some of the detractors of AEW, which Mike J is, let's be real. He's an AEW detractor. Um, but he's coming around. He's coming around. Um, you're going to want to argue that CM Punk has not been used correctly to the best of his ability. They don't really have any ongoing storylines for him. I'm not going to argue with any of that. Um, I agree to a certain extent, but let me tell you why I disagree. And it's because of this promo right here. When you have a guy that can come sit in a ring and emotionally discuss substance abuse issues and the strength it takes to seek help and then transition that into I'm gonna fuck you up Eddie Kingston see that's the value of this guy right punk was an amazing in-ring performer and I'm not saying he's not still a great in-ring performer. Has he lost a bit of a step? Sure, man, of course. Who who wouldn't after taking such time off? I feel like maybe he'll pick that step back up. Maybe he won't. Who fucking cares? Really? Because he's still putting on entertaining matches. But the value of CM Punk is this promo right here tonight. There's value in a man that can come sit cross-legged in a ring and go from a, like one emotional journey to the next he went from the emotions behind John Moxley and substance abuse abuse and transition that into the emotions of anger about someone disrespecting you in a professional wrestling setting it's brilliant the man's good at what he does I get there may be been issues with his use but this right here this right here this is where his true value lies
after that, we had a backstage promo with the Super Click, uh, uh, Adam Cole, the Young Bucks, Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy interrupt. We get a wild brawl, wild brawl that, um, makes its way from the backstage area up to the ring. Uh, the faces, uh, the faces here get the upper hand. Which is unusual. Um, but, you know, and I only say it's unusual within this company because, uh, and, I, and I don't mean it's unusual for faces to get the upper hand in this company. I mean, it's unusual for someone to get the upper hand on Adam Cole and the Young Bucks in this company. Um, this ended with uh, Christian Cage delivering a concerto to Adam Cole in the ring. Um Adam Cole was put down by a concerto. So it's, they're doing some interesting things. They're allowing Christian and Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy to look like strong competitors going into this, even though I think up to this point, no one's really believing that this team's going to beat this team. Uh, Christian, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy. No one really thinks they're going to beat the Super Click, but it is what it is, man. And a way to make them look strong and believable as competitors for these guys. After that, we rolled right into um, FTR and uh, Cash uh, FTR Dax Harwood Cash Wheeler defending the AAA Tag Team Championships against Samurai Del Sol, formerly known as Kalisto in WWE, and Aerostar. So let's talk about Samurai Del Sol here for a quick second. So Samurai. Wrestled in WWE with Brody Lee. Um, at the time, Luke Harper. So, um, Samurai Del Sol. That's a mouthful, by the way. Kalisto is so much easier to say. Tweeted out, you know, he basically made a tweet saying, you know, I talked to John. And what he meant by talk to John was um, he had like a private moment with himself where he spoke to someone that was his friend that's no longer here. We've all done that, man. My grandmother passed away about six months ago. I talked to her all the time. All the time I talked to her. Um, but he tweeted, um, you know, I talked to John, he used Brody Lee's shoot name, and I'm very happy, blah, blah, blah. He made some tweet where he mentioned Brody Lee used his shoot name John. He spelled it J-O-H-N. It's spelled J-O-N. So I, Jericho quote tweets this and says, you spelled his name wrong. And then Brody Lee's wife gets on. And well, someone tries to defend it. Hey man, it's simple spelling, blah, blah, blah. Brody Lee's wife gets on, says he should respect the man enough to spell his name right. Something like that. So I have two schools of thought on this. One, why the fuck is this even a thing? Why are we even talking about this? Why are you giving the man shit over adding a fucking H, man? Adding a fucking H. Like, we talk about wrestlers. Well, wrestlers talk all the time about, you know, a lot of us just call each other by our shoot names. It is what it is. Because that's how they, like, they talk to each other. John Moxley put in his book excerpt this week that he was always Brody Lee to him. Even when he was Luke Harper, he called him Brody. Okay? So, he misspelled his name, and y'all went the fuck in on him. On his first fucking night in his company on TV. What? I mean, this is a non-issue. But then, I go back and I read the tweet. I really read what he said. And uh, I'm not going to pull the tweet up and, and, and reread it here. But it was a bit of a fucking clout chase. 
I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was a bit of a fucking clout chase. So my, my initial thought was, dude, the guy was just trying to give a shout out to someone that, that he knew and was friends with. And, and, you know, but it was a fucking clout chase. It was a fucking clout chase. And if you can't spell motherfucker's name right on the clout chase, I mean, you're going to get called out for it. It was an obvious clout chase. At the same time, do I feel like they're making too big of a deal out of this? Yeah. Yeah, they fucking are. Cut the dude a break. It's his first night in the fucking company. Anyway, uh, FTR gets the win here. Um, this was just an okay match. It wasn't anything to write home about. Um, it was a very harsh clash of styles. And I thought maybe we'd be okay because FTR and the Lucha Bros have been putting together some good matches. But this was not it, man. This was this was a, a clash of styles. It didn't work out. Uh, Samurai Del Sol and Airboy are not on, or Airstar, Airboy, are not on the level of the Lucha Bros. They just aren't. Shout out to them, though, for, like, uh, Kalisto for doing his little Lucha chant. Fans still get behind that. Good for you, bro. After that, we had a segment with uh, the Inner Circle and Dan Lambert's American Top Team where they decided they were going to pick the other three members of the team. This was this was this was not good. This is not good. Um the problem here was that too many people were allowed to talk that shouldn't be talking that much. Jake Hager shouldn't be making jokes. He's not good at it. He seems uncomfortable on the mic. He's your solid badass. Leave the jokes to Jericho. Leave the jokes to the Spanish God. They did pick Junior Dos Santos and Andre Arlovsky. Um, as the third pick was about to come in, this was the highlight, the highlight of this entire thing. Paige Van Zant speaks up, says she wants in. Paige Van Zant, boy, let me tell you. She's a fucking star in the making. She has poise. She has exactly what you want from a superstar. She's comfortable on the mic. She doesn't back down from Jericho, one of the greatest shit talkers in the history of this company. And she went toe to toe with him. Toe to toe might be a bit of a stretch, but she held her own in this situation. She's got the good look. She's got a look. She's got an impressive look. She looks like a pro wrestler. She looks like a professional fighter. She handles her own in the ring. AEW got to get this girl under contract. You got to lock her in. You got to lock her in. She is maybe the future star that you could, that you're looking for, for this women's division. You got to lock her in. Charlotte going to need someone to fight when she gets here. Um, they do choose as the, the, the fifth member who the inner circles choosing who they're going to face for American top team with the men of the year. And they choose Dan Lambert. Um, Dan Lambert is not at all happy, but you know, Hey, right on. You had to kind of see this coming. The minute Dan Lambert came out and said he was the first member of American top team, you knew where this was going. After that, we got the TBS women's championship tournament, Anna J versus Jamie Hayter. Hayter comes out with Britt Baker and rebel, um, Rebel and uh, Baker do some distraction. We got some real heel fuckery to allow Jamie Hader to hit that lariat of hers for the win. I, I'm a big Jamie Hader fan. Um, I love what she's doing. I think she's believable in the ring. I think she's got a, a good presence about her. She's got a solid professional wrestler look. Um, she looks believable. Her shit's believable. I, I like what they're doing here, and I think that she's also a future star for this company should they play it right. As she gets the win, they go down. The the beatdown on Anna J starts. Take Conti, makes the save. Um, the numbers just are too much for her. Then Thunder Rosa comes, and she actually makes the save because Thunder Rosa's the only legitimate contender for this title. Uh, no disrespect to Tay. Um... Uh, after that, MJF has a, uh, a promo where he addresses Darby Allen. Darby's up in the fucking rafters doing his Darby thing. This was an amazing promo. 
this was an amazing promo. Uh, MJF gave props to Darby as being one of the pillars of AEW along with himself. Um, he mentioned four pillars, saying that himself and Darby were two of them. Um, didn't say who the other two were. I do love the four pillar reference that we got in here. I thought that was outstanding. That was great. Um, this was top notch from, from MJF. Top notch. Top notch. Um, during the promo, Sting comes out with a group of men dressed in black wearing face masks. Um, and Darby Allen starts to make his way towards the ring. As these men are making their way towards the ring, we have Sean Spears and Wardlow show up and they try to fight off Sting and the guys in black, but they are kept back and held at bay. This allows Darby Allen to come to the ring and he puts the fucking business to MJF before MJF finally bails out and makes his escape. MJF's the best fucking heel in wrestling right now. The exception of maybe Roman Reigns. But Roman Reigns... Roman Reigns is a different beast. He's a different animal altogether. So, um, I don't even know if they're comparable <clears throat> as far as that goes. So, um, this was good build. <clears throat> this is a good build for their match at Full Gear. This is a good fucking feud that they've been building. It's been great for both men. Both men need this win in a little bit, but MJF, I think, needs it way more. I'm really looking forward to what they're doing. This is a, a, a great a great feud for both these men to be involved in before they head on to bigger things, because that's probably where they're going in the future. After that, we had Cody versus Andrade. I love that Cody's getting booed. I love it. I love it. I love that everybody has jumped on the fucking bandwagon with this. What Mike J and I have been saying for the last two years... Motherfucker is insufferable. So, this was a pretty good match, I think, as everybody kind of expected it to be. There were some nice callbacks to um, to the feud that Cody's father and Andrade's father-in-law had with Cody hitting a, a bionic elbow and um, Andrade applying a figure four at one point. I love the throwback callbacks to, to that feud, to, to, to the family history between these two men. Um, and now, granted, it's not quite Andrade's family yet, but I would bet they think of him like family. So, I really enjoyed that. Um, El Idolo gets the win after FTR pops up from uh, underneath the ring and attack him. Okay, this is my question, though. When when did FTR become is is the pinnacle not a thing anymore? Is that just not a thing? Are we not? Does MJF not have a whole ass heel faction stable whatever you want to call? It? Is that not a thing anymore? Because it seems now that they've sided with Andrade and Malachi Black. I don't really understand what's going on here. Whatever. That's kind of AEW though. Um. Looking forward to seeing uh, the rest of these feuds continue on. We got the FTR Lucha Bros, um, Andrade, and Malachi with this whole Cody thing. Uh, I really, really like what's happening right here. This is well, and Pac. Let's not forget that Pac's in this as well. I, I like everything about this. I like all these guys, kind of except Cody. I like everyone here, and I think that these are all going to be enjoyable feuds and matches coming up in the future. I love it. AEW's doing good shit right here. And that brings us to our main event, a world title uh, eliminator tournament semifinal. Orange Cassidy taking on Miro, who has taken the place of John Moxley. This match, I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is a great match or like a technical expertise or some great thing. Um, this match did exactly what it needed to. Miro looked like a fucking monster. He looked unstoppable heading into this tournament. Um, Orange Cassidy got his babyface comeback bursts in. He got to hit all his spots. He just didn't have what it he needed to put Miro away. Uh, Post-match, Brian Danielson comes to the ring. We have a little face-off. 
Um, Danielson extends the hand. Uh, Mira refuses it, and that's how we head off the air. That's dynamite for this week, baby. Uh, good show. Now, what I do want to get into at the end here, this is, we're coming into the, the end of the Mike S portion of this show. I've gone 25 minutes now. It's 10, five to 10 minutes longer than I even expected. But, um, I want to talk about John Moxley a little bit. Um, as, all right, so I'm going to give you guys a little, a little truth about me. Um, I suffer from mental illness and as I'm sure you've probably picked up from your time listening to drive by some substance abuse issues, um, the mental illness kicked in around the age of 11 and the substance abuse issues about the age of 14, just going to be very real with you guys on my life right here. Um, I have not dealt with either of these things. Let me reverse that. Let me take that sentence back. Cause I, I don't, I spent time dealing with these things in not the best ways. Um, it's easy when you're in the midst of mental illness and substance abuse issues to not make the best choices. Um, and I got lucky personally, not, I'm not one of those people. It's like, I'm lucky because I'm here today. My substance abuse issues. I, I don't think I ever had anything that I would call uh, a major addiction, something that, that, that I didn't kick later on with a lot of ease. Um, a lot of my substance abuse issues were related to my mental health and I used substances to deal with the state of my mental health. Um, so I want to say it's easy to fall into a pattern where you think you're, you're doing things that are self care when really it's self harm. Um, and that's where my substance abuse issues personally came in. I felt that what I was doing was self-care. It was helping me deal with my mental issues, but really they weren't. They're helping me put my mental issues off to the side. So I think it's very impressive when anybody, anybody in this world can look at themselves and see that they have a problem and recognize that and admit that they need help and ask for that help. The strength that that takes is, it's hard. It takes a lot of strength to admit that about yourself and to ask for help. And I'm sure for someone like John Moxley, and I, this goes for all pro wrestlers, you have to portray the pinnacle of manhood at all times. You have to be a man's man, a strong man, like a tough guy, especially someone like John Moxley, who that is his whole entire character is that John Moxley is a fucking tough guy. To be able to step away from that and look at yourself as a human being and admit that you need help, especially in the public eye. It's a pretty incredible thing. It's a pretty important thing. Not important for the world, but maybe, maybe someone out there sees John Moxley and recognizes, hey man, I'm a Mox fan and that dude asked for help. I fucking can too. It's important that way. And it's important to John Moxley and his family. So, I'm not going to do all that. Our best wishes to John Moxley. Because John Moxley doesn't fucking listen to this show. He's not going to, right? And I'm never, ever going to be one of those people that's the uh, Facebook comment, uh, thoughts and prayers type of person. I'm not. So I'm not going to send thoughts and prayers to John Moxley. Not going to 
wish him the best. Because John Moxley doesn't know me. And I don't know him. And my thoughts on him don't fucking mean shit. But I am going to use John Moxley to tell you, if you need help, seek that out, man. Fucking get that help. There's no shame in asking for it. None. I wish that I knew that earlier in life. I wish that I wouldn't, didn't waste my teens and 20s with people that didn't want to fucking do anything but fucking snort cocaine and smoke weed and drink. That I, I wasted essentially two decades of my fucking life because I didn't know that I could ask for help. I was worried about how I would look if I asked for help, even though everyone around me saw that I needed fucking help. Like I was trying to be strong and like keep this image of myself, but everybody around me already knew that image was gone. All right. And the people closest to you, man, they know you need help, man. They're just waiting on you to ask. And if you're fucking scared to ask them, call fucking ask me. We're easy to find, man. You can find me right on fucking Twitter. I'm that 740 guy. You look for that, you're going to fucking find me. You can find us on the drive-by Facebook page. I'm Mike Forrest right on that page commenting. I'm Mike S. on here. You see my comments, I'm Mike Forrest. Get a hold of me. Send me a Facebook fucking message, man. I'll respond to you as soon as I see that shit. If you need help, fucking ask for it. Fucking ask for it. Look at the example that John Moxley set, man. This man is top of the fucking wrestling world right now. But he knew he needed help. And he's getting it. Man, get that fucking help, guys. Get that fucking help. And if you need it, contact me and I'll help you get that fucking help. All right? Do what is best for you in your life, man. Fuck what people think, right? Don't not ask for help because you think you're supposed to be strong, man. Fuck that. How are you supposed to be strong when you need help? You already ain't strong. The strong thing is asking for help, man. That's the strong thing. The strong thing isn't locking it up inside and saying, I'm going to go out here and be me and carry this. The strong thing's asking for help. If you need fucking help, call and ask me. This is Mike J from the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast, along with my co-host and good friend, Mike S. And we are here to give a... Happy anniversary and a shout out to our friends, the Dirty Heels. Mike? A uh, big shout out to my brother from another mother um, going way back 0606 AIT uh, El Paso Fort Bliss. Uh, I love you, my man. Kenneth Stones, shout out to you. Uh, good brother, Bove. You guys do an amazing show. Um, I love you, my man. I'm so happy that you have joined this podcast where you guys are doing big things, uh, making us look foolish with our lack of effort that you guys are doing over there, man. You guys are killing it. Uh, I love you. Uh, keep doing your thing, guys. Congratulations on two years. Keep up the good work and... I don't know. Maybe one day we'll have to do a little crossover. Mike, what do you think? I think we should. Drive-by is for mature audiences only. Not just because of all the foul language and dick jokes, but because the mics on mics are old as fuck. This is Drive-By. Oh man, so this of course is going to be one of those episodes where I wish so badly that it was being recorded as it usually is being recorded with Mike and myself together talking about some of the crazy shit that has happened in pro wrestling. And of course, that's not the case this week. So some of this stuff that I'm going to bring up and talk about is probably going to have to be readdressed next week. Probably a little briefly. Uh, we'll briefly touch on it together, see where we kind of both kind of see where we both land so you all can experience that uh the way that it's supposed to be here on drive by 
I am going to briefly touch on NXT, but there's a lot of other things I want to talk about as well. Um, but Mike laid it out there, and I don't want to let you down. I know that's what we normally do. He takes care of AEW, I take care of NXT. So I'm going to go into that right now. NXT 2.0 from this past Wednesday, November 2nd. Um, I, I see what they're doing with NXT 2.0. This is me talking after watching it Wednesday, uh, before everything that occurred uh, would have been Thursday night, um, late later Thursday evening. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'm still kind of flustered, flustered over everything and have some thoughts that I really want to get off my chest, but I want to touch on NXT. So this is Fallout uh, from Halloween Havoc. Of course, we have new tag champs. We have new women's champ. Uh, Tomasa Champa remained our brand champion. And the show starts out with Mandy Rose addressing the NXT crowd, the NXT locker room. Um, you know, she's talking shit. She's doing heel shit. I like this Mandy Rose. I like Toxic Attraction. Of course, she's like, where are my girls at? And then they cut to the back, and they're beating down Zoe Stark, who is apparently legit injured. Probably happened in that damn ladder match, which was a fear of mine. But it's always a possibility, so it really has nothing to do with anything else. Um, But yeah, the the new tag champs in... the. Uh, I'm going to send Dakota Kai in Gigi Jolin and K2 are in the back beating up Zoe Stark. Of course, this then leads Io Shirai to come out and confront Mandy Rose. Says she doesn't like Zoe, but she really doesn't like Mandy. Um, you know, they're going to they're gonna get the beat down going. And of course, because Gigi Jolin and K2 come out, help their friend beat down Io, and then None other than Casey Katnazar and Caden Carter sweep in, sweep in to make the save. It's a decent segment. Um, of course, we see a little interaction later between Dakota Kai and Mandy Rose. Uh, in the back, they're walking back, and Dakota basically tells Mandy, "I didn't, I didn't do what I did to help you, so don't look at me." Like it matters. Uh, Dakota Kai takes on Cora Jade later after that, and Dakota pretty much just beats the shit out of this poor girl. So we went from her getting the upset wins over bigger stars to being fodder for a returning quote unquote repackage Dakota Kai. Um, and I'm okay with that. It was fine. Uh, let's see some other important points. We get a little bit of a uh, Mendoza and Wild, I'm sorry, are going to take uh, KO, KO uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Vaughn Wagner uh, tonight. And we're still on some things to set up for that match. Let's see. Oh, that was was. We had this little weird dance. See, this is the thing where I like I see NXT 2.0 and I'm a little confused. I didn't even have notes on this, but this is in the lineup. Uh this Robert Stone is out there dancing in a jumper uh in front of Zion Quinn. I don't know why. It didn't accomplish much. And Quinn was like, oh, if you can do that, I can do this. And he sang Sexy Boy, uh, Shawn Michaels' entrance song. I, I don't know what was going on. Then he beat the shit out of Robert Stone. It was really, really, really weird. This led to him coming to the back, him being Zion Quinn, and interacting with uh, Rural Mendoza, Joaquin Wilde, and Electra Lopez. Lecter Lopez likes what she sees. Um, this was leading. This is where I was going with this because I had that. Nothing else. Uh, leads to the match. Uh, we're getting with Kyle O'Reilly and Vaughn Wagner. Uh, Mendoza and Wild actually get the victory. And what was a pretty fun uh, tag match. Um, of course, there's distraction, which leads Wagner to get rolled up or stacked up, as they call it, uh, for three 
with uh, feet on the ropes. So the heels get the dirty win to look like heels who win, but also to keep the baby faces strong. That's the point when Mike would say, yeah, yep, that's what they do. All right. Uh, <laughs> Andre Chase comes out. Man, this gimmick's so cheesy. This Chase U, this university teacher, but I don't know, man. He's so buying into the gimmick that it's actually working for me. Uh, but Braun Breaker comes out and just beats the brakes off of this dude. Braun Breaker's a star, has so much star potential. It's incredible. I hope they don't fuck him up like they have so many others. Oh, man. I'm really down right now, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway. Uh, Breaker gets on the mic and says, you know, he took a shot at Champa. Champa's still the man, but that doesn't mean that he's done with him. And he says that he's going to face Champa again and he'll be NXT champion or he'll die trying. This is a decent promo. Uh, he's, he's a solid promo for as early as he is on his, in his career. Uh, we get an in-ring debut this time, officially, of Solo Sokoa, that is the younger Uso brother. Uh, he takes on the recently departed, and I don't mean by death, Jet Rama. Um, he fucking, another one, beats the brakes off this dude. Uh, I'm impressed with what I've seen from this guy as well. Of course, he's a, he's a Uso, he's part of the bloodline, so it should not surprise any of us. I actually hope that this guy stays limited in NXT and gets to come up and join the bloodline because, I mean, it just makes sense. You got it built in right there. Uh, Grayson Waller takes on Boa. LA Knight is on commentary. Uh, clearly, they're still pushing this Grayson Waller, LA Knight stuff. Um... Boa gets the win and then comes out later, like after, like shortly after that, you see a segment where he walks back. So earlier in the night, he was with Mei Ying and she was sitting in her throne. They were in the back and she, he says it's time. He goes out for his match. So then the next segment after the match, we see him come back to the throne. The throne is empty. Um, he bows down and then he stands up and he has makeup on his face and he blows mist. So I don't know if they just literally like Alexa bliss, the gimmick to him. Uh, I don't know if he just took over Mei Ying and now they're going to do something different with her. Maybe they're going to fire her. Maybe they're going to put her inside. I don't know. Um, it's been weird ever since they just removed Zia Lee and didn't tell us why. But, hey, AEW just, like, makes factions out of other factions that they no longer have as factions, or maybe they do, and we don't really know that, so it is what it is. Uh, Carmelo Hayes comes out to make a statement that he is the A champion, and, of course, Tomasa Ciampa, yeah, he doesn't like that, and he's going to come out and confront them over this, punches Trick Williams in the face, which is cool, uh... Champa walks away, and this is going to run right into the main event of the night, which is Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes taking on Johnny Gargano and his son-in-law, Dexter Loomis. As Johnny Gargano is making his entrance, Tommaso Champa is standing there holding Goldie, and we get a little callback to their little feud, a little bit of eye contact, a little bit of uncomfortableness between, uh, mostly from Champa towards Gargano. So that was pretty cool. Uh, main event, man. Uh, Gargano and Son-in-Law versus Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Uh, two, four men that aren't actually tag teams uh, taking each other on in what was a really good tag team match. Um, Melo and Trick beat Gargano and Loomis, and I don't actually remember how. I'm sure that it was... I don't want to say they cheated. It just was like one of those straight on like this guy distracted that guy that happened this happened i i just i don't have it down and i don't remember and that's nxt it was a good show uh i enjoyed it i was sports entertained <laughs> uh i i like where they're going with nxt 2.0 though i still have some confusion there were some skits 
with Duke Hudson, which I've, I've stated on here that I don't like. He's the one they're making a poker player. However, I will give them credit that Carmel, I'm sorry, Cameron Grimes was in these and it made them way more enjoyable. So there's that at least. And then of course we had the lashing out with Lash Legend segment, which I also kind of despise. Um, Tony D'Angelo was on that. So it was marginally better. I think that segment's just one of those that I'm just never going to, never going to get into. It's just way too, it's lame. It's just lame. That's all it is. But other than that, NXT as a whole was a very good show this week. I enjoyed it. I understand what they're trying to do with NXT 2.0, and I don't think they've destroyed NXT. However, I sometimes question my thoughts on things. So, uh, as you're listening to this, <coughs> it's after SmackDown. You're going to hear this on Saturday morning. But as I record this, it's a few hours after the releases, the bloodbath in Connecticut that happened once again in WWE. So Thursday evening, WWE had another massive release. I'm not sure on the count off the top of my head. Uh, let's see if we can find it here. I think it was 18, maybe 19 people in total. I'm going to find the list and I'm going to read these off to you. Now, I'd be lying if I said there weren't some names on there that I'm just like, okay, like, I guess you're cutting, you know, cutting budget. Not that they need to. They're making hand, money hand over fist. Another quarterly call where they made like $250 million in a quarter. I mean, this company is making money. Like, they don't have time to make any more money. They just keep making it, keep making it, keep making it. And again, the first thing that was stated is, well, we got to make budget cuts. And that's why these people were let go. And I just, I know it's a business. And I understand that you can't have an exploded roster. You can't pay people you're not using. I totally get it. But some of the people on this list just don't make sense. Some of this people, some of the people on this list didn't get, I'm just going to say it and be honest, just didn't get a fair shake, didn't get a fair chance. It, it's, I'm going to be that whiny guy, but it's not, it wasn't fair. All right, let's see. So some of the lesser known names, some NXT people that were released, uh, Zeta Ramira, Trey Baxter, uh, let's see, Jet Rima, who I just said was beaten. Um, Harry Smith, who just signed a contract, had one dark match that we're aware of and is gone. Um, but, okay, let, let's just go from here. The names that you know. Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado. The rest of Lucha House Party. Now, I believe they had both asked for their release, so... I mean, hey, they got what they wanted. It is what it is. That, that is, that's fine. I have no problem with that. Someone asked for their release. You're not using them. You don't have anything for them. You don't have a reason to keep them. You don't have an investment in them. Clearly, they don't. Okay, whatever. So, B. Fab from Hit Row. We'll get back to that one. Ember Moon, Eva Marie, Frankie Monet, Jesse Kamea, Carrie and Frickin' Cross. Katrina Cortez is another NXT. She was a masked one. They didn't use her. Keith Frickin' Lee, Mia Yim, Nia Jax, that's a shocker. Oni Lorcan NXT, Scarlett Bordeaux. These are the names. I, I'm, I'm at a loss right now with a few of these, okay? Even Marie, whatever. I I get why you brought her back. I, I do. I understand. She is a... We've stayed on this podcast. This woman glows. She's so beautiful. So you want to try to see if you can make something out of that again? Cool. Whatever. It didn't work. The fans immediately rejected it. Especially when you were cutting other people in the midst of her coming back. I know. 
she was already back. She was already signed. She was already working towards coming into the ring. And she was already on the payroll when they made all these cuts. But it looked like she was coming in right as they were cutting people. And people are pissed. And I get that. I get that. So she was immediately rejected. She was going to be rejected anyway. Let's be real. Okay. And it didn't work. And now they're cutting ties again. Whatever. Okay. Uh, but. Yeah. B-Fab. Hit row. You just brought this faction up. This group that works tremendously in NXT. Now don't get me wrong. Did B-Fab need more time to learn how to wrestle? 110% she did. But you brought her up. You could have you you could have left Hit Row as it was in NXT for six more months and she would have improved. You could have left her in NXT, taken the men out of Hit Row, and brought her up later to join them when she was ready, and that would have worked. Instead, you brought all of them up. I don't think AJ's necessarily ready either, but we'll see what happens. Top dollar, sorry. You brought all of them up as a package. And then three, four weeks in, you cut the female? What the fuck? Like, you didn't even give this a chance. I like Hit Row. I'm already calling it now. I hope I'm wrong. But they're fucking dead. They're fucking dead in the water. I, I, I've started to turn a page with this company. And you all know that I love WWE. I get accused of it. But I'm starting to get... The, these waters are getting really fucking muddy, guys. Uh, Ember Moon, again... I know Mike doesn't love her. I know he did, and then it hasn't worked. And it hasn't worked for me either, man. Ever since she got injured and came back, something... It, it, it didn't work on the main roster, and her return to NXT really didn't come off either. It sucks that she's gone. I think there's something there. I don't know. I, I don't. Um, I hope she can reclaim that, and I will we'll come back to her in a minute. Uh, Frankie Monet. Uh, why do you bring this woman in if you're not going to give her a chance to shine? She was great in the few matches she had in NXT. And then we turned NXT to NXT 2.0. And what, is she too fucking old? Then put her on the main roster. Get the fuck out of here. This was bonehead. Fucking bonehead. All right. Uh, let's see. Okay. Obviously. Obviously. Karen Cross, Scarlet Bordeaux. So you took this perfectly presented gift wrapped package from Triple H and NXT and you ripped it open, you took it apart, you took one, one piece of it and presented it like a whole package. And it flopped. So then you added some shit to it that wasn't even from the original part of the gift. And that flopped. And then you're like, fuck this guy, cut him. What in the actual fuck is going on here? I'm swearing a lot because I'm just pissed off. I became a Carrying Cross guy. I loved the NXT version of Carrying Cross. The smoke, the girl, the music. Everything Adam Cole railed against him in that promo before their match. I fucking loved it. And then he went to the main roster, a shell of that. And then we wonder why he didn't get over. Because you literally took everything away from this man that made him cool and made him different. And now he was just a muscled up, tattooed, bald guy. Well, you know what? That doesn't fucking work. It, it doesn't work. His presentation along with the incorporation of him and Scarlett together was what made him unique and cool and you took it away and everybody rejected it and you turned him into just another guy and it didn't work and you didn't give it a chance to become anything else you know, this, let's wait and see, let's wait and see. Maybe there's a plan to bring Scarlet. That was supposedly the original thing. And then COVID or something and whatever. And, and it just, it, it infuriates me, okay? Infuriates me that they had this perfect package that they could have used. And they didn't. And they fucked it up. I'm sorry to use the language that way, but they fucked it up.
Uh, Mia Yim never got off the ground. Never got a chance to get off the ground. Okay? Uh, a shame, because she's a fantastic in-ring worker. But for whatever reason, she was brought in in retribution, did literally nothing with this woman, and then disbanded a group and she disappeared. She never wrestled one match on the damn main roster on TV that I'm aware of. And that's uh, that's that's an outrage, to be honest, but whatever. Uh, we'll come back to her, too. Nia Jax, look, okay? <laughs> I- I'm not going to cry over this one. I don't like to see anybody lose their job, but Nia Jax is unsafe in the ring. And it's just my personal opinion. I know a lot of people would agree with that. And I, why they cut ties, there's speculation. I'll get to that here in a little bit. But whatever. If she wasn't going to train and become a better in-ring worker, safer for the women that she's involved with, then it's probably for the best. Um, highlight of Nia Jax's career for me is when Randy Orton RKO'd her, so there's that. Uh, Oni Lorcan, man, again. This guy was a utility player, a guy who could go in and go with just about anybody. I hate to be a dick. He's just another ball guy. He ain't that muscly. He has no tattoos. He doesn't stand out for anything. Guy can go. He's a great person to have on your roster, but I totally get we're going to make some cuts, and he's on that list. I understand it. Sucks. I understand it. Uh, Okay. Frickin' Keith Lee. We gave him the Bearcat name, which I actually liked, okay? But again, here's another... Uh, another example of, of what happened with Carrying Cross in Keith Lee. Now, I understand you had to change the music because it was a copyright thing, the, the fallout with CFOs and their record label and all this crazy shit to happen, whatever. I'll give you a pass on that. But you put the shirt on him, you put this like tennis skirt thing on him, you did, you changed, you tried to change his look without changing him, okay? And Keith Lee has the charisma to surpass that, unlike Karrion Cross, And he tried to make it work. Then the COVID thing, the health problems, every issue that happened there. He made it through it. You repackaged him as Bearcat Keith Lee or Bearcat Lee or Keith Bearcat Lee. People were shitting on that, but I actually liked it. I was like, okay, this gives us a little bit of, a little bit of an edge here. We were doing things with him on Raw. He was smashing people on Raw and he's just gone fucking why I don't understand it it doesn't make sense it doesn't compute in my head now there's rumors out there possibly some some proved that some of these stars in this group not all but some of them were released because of their vaccination status because they either wouldn't get vaccinated, refused to get vaccinated. Uh, of the four or five that are supposedly in that list, I can say that I believe three are Scarlet, Cross, and Jax. So that makes sense for the Jax um, part, I guess. If, if that's the straw that broke the camel's back, I guess. Um, and I, I, while I'm not for forced vaccination, and I don't love employers doing this, they're in a different kind of space because some of these arenas have vaccination policies that they're going to. Some of these countries have vaccination policies that they that they will go to. You're around crowds of people. You, you're around a locker room that you have to try to keep everyone healthy, not only physically, but, you know, like from injuries of from injuries, but also illnesses. So I understand it. It just sucks, and I also think that's more of an excuse than a reason. I, I don't know. I don't know who the other ones would have been. I, I'm not up on info on that, and I, I don't care. Because, see, I understand that releases happen. It has to happen. I get it. And I know everyone's like, all these guys are going to go to AEW. Look, like, AEW can't sign everybody, okay? Because eventually, they're going to have to release people, too. They're probably going to do it as quietly as possible. They probably won't try, will try to let it be spread out so it's not like 19 or 20 at once, but maybe 
one every one or two every now and then. But eventually, they're going to have to make cuts too. They're going to have to make tough decisions, especially if they keep signing bigger names. But let me say this for the ones that were released, specifically Ember Moon, uh, Mia Yim, and Frankie Monet. If those three, if AEW could just snag those three women with Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, Ruby Soho, and I'll even throw Jamie Hayter in there. You got a pretty stacked women's division all of a sudden, just kind of out of nowhere. And I'd be really impressed. Now, will they use it properly is a whole nother question. But if if you do, if you pick anyone out of these 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 releases, I think they need to go for those three women. And then they probably should go for Keith Lee because I think he'd fit their style really, really well. Scarlet and Karrion Cross. I mean, Cross was getting booed in NXT because he didn't fit the indie style that they love. And the AEW fan base is way more hardcore about that. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but those women, those three women in particular, I, I think they're a, they're a, they're can't-miss signings for AEW and that women's roster and would put them way, way, way closer to what WWE has on their women's side. Of course, who the hell knows what that's going to look like next quarter. I, I talked to my guy. My guy got info. I said, is this just going to be a quarterly thing now? Because that sure shit seems what it's looking like. His response to me is, yep, till they sell. Because he's still on that track that this company is being sold. And let me say, if that's the case, can we just sell it already? Sell it already so we can have stability. How am I, as a fan, supposed to invest in characters that you're presenting to me when I don't know if they're going to be there in two months? I don't want to do that. Like, I'm to the point now as a WWE fan where I feel like, well, I'm going to root for Roman Reigns. I'm going to like Roman Reigns. They're not going to let him go. I I'm going to watch Becky Lynch and enjoy what she does because they're not going to let her go. And after that, I'm not so sure, man. Like, I want to like what they're doing with Austin Theory because I think he's a blue chipper, but they could cut him at any time. Let's be real. Okay? Cut him at any time. I love RK Bro, and I think Riddle is a future star as well. But I don't even know if he's safe just because him and Randy Orton like each other. I don't know. I don't know. I, I You know, I think AJ Styles is a safe bet to retire and work for that company in his through his years uh, you know out of the ring if he wants to work at NXT as a coach which I think would be phenomenal <laughs> no pun intended if he wants to wrestle for three or four or five more years I think they would keep him because I think he's a name that makes them money that sells merchandise and they can claim forget his TNA like he was there the whole time because most people do but some of these other people I just don't know <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And as a as a wrestling fan and specifically a WWE fan, it's getting fucking hard for me to enjoy cuz I just don't know who to invest in anymore. And this is something I wanted to talk to with Mike last week. We didn't get to it, but like Adam Cole, I'm a big Adam Cole fan. I love Adam Cole. I enjoy everything he does. I put so many eggs in that basket when he was in NXT and now he's gone. And I was like, you know what? I got to do this. I got to get in on the AEW. I, I got to. I started watching them live, which I hadn't done because Adam Cole was there. And we're like, what, six, eight, ten weeks into Adam Cole in AEW? And I hate it. I'm going to be honest right here. I hate what they're doing with him. He's just another guy. He's nothing special at all. And I'm, I'm so tired of the wait and see. And we've been saying it for WWE for so, so long, but this is another thing I'm going to apply there with the Hangman page and AEW with Adam Cole. And I'm so tired of the wait and see that I'm just starting to not care. It's actually getting hard for me to enjoy wrestling. And I haven't been in this place for a long, long, long time. I can't wait to talk to Mike about all of this. Uh, something I want to bring up before I go. Mike already touched on it and did a beautiful, beautiful job 
uh, John Moxley coming out saying that he needs help. He's going to rehab for alcohol. Uh, I'm no John Moxley fan, but props to you, John Moxley. And I know you're not going to hear it, as Mike said. Uh, I just want to put that out there. I think it's awesome that anyone asks for help when they need help. It's just, it, it doesn't make you less of a man. It doesn't make you less of a person. Everybody that has a heartbeat needs help at some point in their life. It's just, it's called being a, uh, it's called living, man. Everyone needs help at some point in time. So good for John Moxley. Look, he just had a kid. They just had a kid. And kids, you know, Mike can relate, but not, he doesn't have children like I do. And it changes everything. And it really, really puts things into perspective that maybe you didn't even know were out of perspective. And I have a strong feeling that's probably what brought him here. Uh, look, man, this guy, John Moxley, enjoys rolling around in cut glass and in, in broken glass, barbed wire, thumbtacks. Like the guy likes pain, so clearly, I, I mean, not being a dick, he has issues. Maybe he masks that with alcohol, and maybe he's realized he needs help. And I hope and pray that he gets what the help that he needs, and he becomes. The person that he wants to be for probably his wife, for his daughter. I mean, I know any of us that are fans that have followed anything like the man did not have the best childhood himself. So probably helped contribute to this. And I'm sure that his wrestling style helps contribute to this. And I hope that he can get better. Uh, I'm rooting for him, at least on that side of life, because only an asshole wouldn't. And this isn't an AEW thing. This isn't a WWE thing. I saw people online blaming AEW for him being having alcohol problems. Look, I don't think this just started for one. Um, for two, that you're an idiot if you say that. You know, everybody has problems. And anybody, regardless of what company they work for, what they do for a living, can have these types of problems. And I'm just glad that he was strong enough to make that choice. And just like Mike said, you, you need to reach out to someone, reach out to someone and get that help. If you don't get no one, message me, message him. We'll talk to you. We might not give you the best advice, but we'll try. And, you know, even if you just need someone to talk to, we are here. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening to this show. It's a labor of love. Sometimes stuff like this happens. We can't do what we normally do, but we try to make the best of it. Um, and I don't think Mike has anything else to say to you, so I'll just step in like I always do and say, it's been real. It's been fun. We'll catch you next time. You guys are beautiful. We love you. Have a great rest of your week. New episodes of Drive-By are available every Saturday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and everywhere podcasts are found. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash drivebypod. And follow us on Twitter at drivebypod. This has been a presentation of the Nearfall Network. Until next time, bye.